I'm Morgan Tioka. This is the Challenge Her Podcast. This is the Challenge Her Podcast. Hey guys, I'm Glenn Azar and I'd like to welcome you to the very first episode of the Challenge Her Podcast. Now, I will not be your normal host. Your normal host will be Morgan Tioka, who I will chat to today. But I wanted to do this episode for her or with her so that you get a better idea of who it is that's bringing this podcast to you. So that's the concept behind you hearing my voice. My background, I've been podcasting for over six years with the Building Better Humans Project. So I've got a little bit of experience in this space. And Morgan and I do a lot of work together through Ayala and Girls Personal Development Program. So let's learn a little bit about Morgan Tioka. How are you, Morgs? Hey, I'm good. I'm excited. No pressure, right? Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> so I guess let's kick off and just give people a little bit of background. Tell us a bit about you growing up through to sort of where you are today. So who is Morgan? Okay, well, um, I grew up down on the Gold Coast with a family of five. So I have two older sisters and then my mum and dad which I'm very lucky that they're still together. So we have a very cl- uh, close family. I went to school down the Gold Coast, uh, grew up playing sport uh, with a musical family, had a really great support network, didn't really have too many dramas uh, going through school. I Actually, I was bullied quite badly when I was a kid. Um, but then other than that, I, I was just lucky enough to have good support around me. So it never really had much of a impact on me. And then further on, um, I've gone to university. So I've studied, studied Bachelor of Education in secondary teaching. And I've been teaching for the last six years, uh, both at two different state high schools, running sporting excellence programs and helping with girls excellence. It's been awesome. I've really enjoyed my job. Uh, being around the girls but the workload can be quite taxing at times Um, but what I've noticed uh, for the girls and for myself is just that there's not a lot of help out there and acknowledgement to what social pressures look like for our young females and how they deal with them so that was the whole point of I guess this uh, being created and fruitioning is just being able to create a platform and a space for our young girls and to help teach them how they're going to be resilient and deal with those social pressures that they're dealing with on a daily basis. So let's go back just a little step and let's talk about bullying and I'm not going to make this a big issue but what was the form that this bullying took for you and at what age? It was in that classic year eight to (laughs) year ten so definitely yeah year eight nine ten just those middle years where you're dealing with relationships and um, relationship breakdowns as in friendship breakdowns and it was just you know um, minuscule comments but they had a real significant impact because they were verbally hurtful and it was consistent It, it could be anything from body image uh, or was anything to do with the fact that, you know, gossiping or um, anything about anything to try and sort of exclude me from a group if I disagreed with one of the girls or um, I was friends with someone that the other girls didn't like, just the friendship breakdowns. And it caused like quite a significant problem for me going through that middle school, middle high school period. Uh, luckily though, once I got to, so I sort of changed schools in year 
between year eight and year nine, I changed schools. And then from year nine to year 10, it completely died off because I was just around a really great group of friends and I just had a good support network. But that year eight to year nine was quite a difficult period of just trying to really figure out who I was and deal with the fact that girls one day would like me, then the next day they didn't, and then you didn't know why they didn't like you, and then you'd find out it was because you were hanging out with someone else that they didn't like, just all that real minuscule stuff. So if the 29-year-old version of yourself, who is a school teacher, has all these other life experiences now, if that girl could go back and talk to the 13, 14-year-old version of yourself now with the knowledge you have, what, what would you tell her? I'd tell her that she's good enough, that she's incredibly hardworking and I'd talk her through what her values look like. I'd talk her through the person that you currently are and the, and the values that you portray at your age is actually quite amazing but you don't know that right now and you don't see value in that and you're trying to measure yourself um, against other people or measure against these girls who they have materialistic things around them that make them look like they're more purposeful or more valued than you but it's not about what they have it's about who they are and you don't know that as a 13 year old you just that's the last thing you're thinking of because you think people don't genuinely care for you because you're of your personality or the fact that you're funny or you're kind you just don't understand that or those concepts at that age and I think that that's something if I could go back and talk to her I'd be like you are incredible and these are the values that you have and this is what makes you an, an amazing person but the things around you currently that you're valuing yourself on or you're looking for uh what's the word validation, validation from others from it's all materialistic and it you'll notice that once you start to learn more about yourself so then the next question which is not one I'm even sure we could answer, but would the 13 or 14-year-old version of yourself be able to receive that message? So I'll give you an example. You're talking to girls at your school as a current school teacher, and I'm sure you tell them that message. Yeah. But do, are they able to take it on? Because right now they only know what they know, and it's hard for us to take on. Because I look at myself, and I don't know that I would have taken advice from myself now, yeah. despite all my experiences, because... I wouldn't trust that the 14, 15-year-old version of me that's going through what I'm going through, you don't understand me. That would kind of be my mindset, even if it was me talking to me, if yeah, that definitely. makes sense. So would you have taken that on if if someone had said that to you? And I'm sure there would have been some people in your life telling you, definitely. be it mum and dad or people around you. Definitely. I think there would be some type of lesson that would come out of it and I would learn something, but my thought process would be, well, you aren't living the life I'm currently living so you don't spend eight hours trying to feel comfortable around people that make you feel uncomfortable yeah and that would be my thought process so I w I'd only take part of it and I'd go yeah I understand what you're saying or I sort of get it but I don't really care because you're not me at the moment and you don't have to put up with that yeah so talk about the challenge her podcast what is uh, what do you hope people get out of it and then who are you aiming it at so is it aimed at is it going to be aimed at the young people? Is it going to be aimed at the parents? Or is it a both sort of thing at some level? Is it a two-pronged approach? Def like yeah, definitely both. 100% both. 
because I feel like we now being, you know, 29 and a lot of my friends are mums and seeing them with their children, we are still making the same errors in society and we need to be listening with our, our young girls or our friends or our nieces, whoever they are, and we need to sit down and learn with them because we haven't been doing the personal development or some of, some of us haven't been. But society, this, this day and age, we're still putting so, um, so many pressures on ourselves to conform into what we think is the right type of human or what you should look like or what society accepts of you. And so I think that both, both young women, both mums, teenagers, I think we all need to be listening in and just hearing each other's stories about how we've dealt with overcoming adversity, how we deal with shame. Do we have good shame resilience? What does that look like? And just being able to create a platform where people could even call up and ask questions or you know, send through messages and say, hey, this is my current situation. This is what we're dealing with at home with my daughter or this is what I'm dealing with as a 22-year-old. What are your thoughts? And then from there, we're just opening up that opportunity for us all to converse and share our stories and figure out whether we have the strategies or solutions to be able to combat what they're going through. So what's the format of the podcast? Like so, On a week-to-week basis, what can people expect? So hopefully it's going to be 10-minute snippets throughout the week that are going to be able to be listened to on the way to school with your daughter or just on the way to work in the morning. But just real simple uh, podcasts where we're focusing on a specific topic which relates to one of our social pressures or scarcity culture, body image, things that we will deal with on a daily basis And then hopefully from there on the weekends, I'll be having interviews with some incredible athletes to maybe others who have overcome adversity. I know someone I've got lined up is an incredible ex-Olympian, Indigenous Australian who now goes out and helps in the communities and has dealt with so many different types of barriers and obstacles throughout her life. And she's still making such a difference and just hearing other people's perspectives on life, I think, is definitely going to be helpful. So that's going to be more of like an hour podcast on the weekends and then just little 10-minute snippets through the week. Yeah, And we're going to run in seasons. Is that the plan at this stage or have you not really worked out he's going to try and run it all the way through? Yeah, I mean... Because, <laughs> you know, for me, and I'm giving you advice, I'm a fan of seasons because it gives you... There's a lot of workload in a podcast. and. Yep. We're recording this right now in school holidays. Yeah. <laughs> but it's soon enough it's not school holidays and then you're under the pump and, and whatnot. So, yeah, just yeah. interested as to what your, your sort of initial plan is. Yeah, I think it definitely will be in season. So, like a 10-week block and then there'll be sort of a two-week break and then another 10-week block, which will then allow me to teach, obviously, during the 10 weeks and then um, organise all my podcasts, you know, the weekly podcasts on the holidays and then I can sort of go from there and then deliver them throughout the other weeks. So talk to me about your personal development. Like, you know, who are you listening to, (laughs) reading about? What are you doing to be on this journey? Because I think for mums listening or mums and dads, we have to be on the journey at least a step or two ahead of our girls or with our girls. We can't ask them to go and do stuff and then sit back and think that we're okay because I don't – I don't think any of us are okay in that sense. I think we have to constantly be learning. So how do you learn? How do you stay ahead of the curve? 
So it sort of started for me when I actually had a huge relationship breakdown and I was just spending a lot of time alone and that time I was just feeling my way through... Soul searching. Soul searching, pretty much. Mm. And then I came into Project 180 and luckily met yourself and Jaden and Zaya and I just started to spend more time around people who wanted to better themselves. So being around yourself and the boys... There was constant conversations around what were you reading? What have you learnt this week? How have you been responding to this situation? And I started asking myself questions on a real deeper level, which I never usually would. I'm, I just have genuine conversations. Hey, how are you? What are you doing? And it was just... S- surface level stuff. Yeah, just yeah, surface yeah. level stuff. But when you came in here, it was in surface level stayed around for about 20 seconds, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> and so... I started to have those hard conversations and then once, you know, you guys were asking me those sorts of questions like, yeah, but what are you actually doing? How are you improving or what are you reading? I started to go out and look for different books and... Because you have to have answers to those questions. Yeah. Or you have to be honest and go, I'm literally learning nothing at the moment. Okay, cool. (laughs) How's that that working for you? Yeah, and then you guys were all like, oh, I've read this book and this is my new you know, quote for the week and I'm just like, this is so interesting and I'm not on this journey at the moment and I need to jump on because I don't know what I'm doing right now. I don't know who I am and I need to start making changes. And so I found Brene Brown, (laughs) which, you know, has been such a exciting time in my life because I just really relate to the way her stories, I relate to her stories and the way she speaks and just everything she has to say about women, shame, vulnerability and courage and how we're literally every day putting ourselves out there to get our ass kicked by people Mm. and if you don't live that way, you'll never grow and I think those types of messages are really sort of shining a light on my insecurities because I keep going back and going, okay, I'm in my comfort zone. I need to make a change. Something needs to happen and then I'll put myself out there and then I'll quickly run back to my comfort zone mm. and then I reevaluate myself. So a lot of her work, uh, Daring Greatly and Rising Strong have been the two best books that I've read so far. So give, like say there's a, a you know, 14-year-old girl listening to this in the car with mum. She's got no idea who Brene Brown is. Give her a bit of a, a background. So Brene Brown's a shame researcher. So she's done... I think it's something like 20 years worth of research on quantitative and qualitative data. So she goes out and surveys, asks questions to all these successful people in the world, to just different people and she asks questions around what does courage look like, what does shame look like and a few of the key things that she said that makes me look at her as someone significant is that... (coughs) Uh, shame is having a divorce and then going back on your first date and dealing with the insecurities around that. That's showing vulnerability but dealing with the comments in your head when you're about to put yourself out there, Mm. that's that shame. And she said something else like trying for a new baby once you've had an abortion, that's that vulnerability. So putting yourself out there and all those negative comments that are in your head, that's the shame that you're dealing with. And understanding that you'll always have seven negative thoughts before you actually reach a positive 
and you yourself will actually create more shame which causes you to stay small than anyone else. And then she also really goes into a lot of detail about who are the critics that count. And I think that was another real pinnacle moment for me when I was reading her stuff. She's someone who really makes it aware and very clear to us that if they are not in the arena, so if they're not going out of their comfort zone and they're not with you through the dogfight and through all the hard stuff and they're not supporting you then, then their feedback is insignificant Mm. and their comments do not count. And I think that was sort of another key message of hers that's always stuck with me. And I think it's really important that our young girls and anyone that I'll be speaking to, that's probably one of our huge shame triggers is dealing with that criticism and judgment. So... That's who Brene Brown is to me and I'll keep sort of learning a lot about what she's researched. So something just came up for me in that conversation and it's around topics and typically we want to help people. So you want to help young girls, you want to help mums, uh, women in general, doesn't matter where they are and that's age or, or experience or life spectrum. But there are a lot of things we won't talk about because it's uncomfortable or but they're real. And you just mentioned two words, divorce and abortion, which are two words that would... A lot of people would – it would trigger people. Definitely. Absolutely. Suicide is another one. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the word – I've been into schools, as you know, and you get told you're not to mention the S word. You're not to talk about suicide. But these kids know about this stuff. So we know abortions happen. Um, and I'm not here to judge people about how or why any of these things happen. We know that divorces happen. So what are your thoughts around taboo topics or how you intend to approach them or do you intend to approach them uh, how honest and vulnerable are we, are we willing to be on for this show? I think it's definitely something that I want to become good at and talk about. I know that I'll have to be very cautious because I don't obviously don't want to trigger any of my listeners and make them feel uncomfortable. But I definitely think another quote from Brene's works come to me and it's clear as kind. And so in order for us to have tough conversations about those cringeworthy topics or the topics that might trigger people negatively I think that if we're not having them then we're not actually helping them so can I challenge you just on one thing then yeah so you mentioned then that you don't want to trigger your listeners and you don't want to make them uncomfortable I would agree that you probably don't want to trigger people but you have to make people uncomfortable in order for them to be challenged and to grow yeah I think, and even if we trigger people, the other side of that would be for us to teach people that um, if you feel triggered by anything that happens through this podcast or through anything, what is the trigger? Why am I being triggered by it? And explore yourself as opposed to just naturally assume that the trigger itself is a problem or the words coming from you or whoever you're talking to on the podcast. So triggering is a tricky one, but uh, being uncomfortable, I think we need to start getting people being comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's that's growth, ultimately. Yeah, so, and, and you know me, I love words. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll always pull it. And we, I guess that's an interesting point. We have these conversations all the time. Definitely. So, you know, you can have these conversations with the right people all the time and you all grow as a result because no one takes it personally. So that was just a thought as I, as I had that there. But, yeah, I like the fact that you're willing to talk about stuff that is real to people because that'll make the podcast real. So in an effort to help people get to know you better for this first episode, I've got a series of cards, as you know, <laughs> and it's just That's got a whole heap of random questions and I hope that it'll be a way for people to learn a bit more about you. So okay, I'm keen. 
First one's probably simple enough and there might be more than one person, but let's try and narrow it to one. Which person do you admire and why? Oh, this is a good one. Oh, I have I have two significant people in my life that have been around for quite a long time. The first person is one of my really close friends, which I've spoken to you about her. Can I say her name? If you want, it's I your show. It's your Beck, show. Cool. <laughs> Beck Olson. So I met Beck four years ago, four or five years ago, and she just came into my life as another teacher at school. She's a country girl. And she is a singer-songwriter and she is one of the most genuine and resilient people I have ever met in my entire life. Nothing's ever hard work from her and maybe that comes from that real country, hard country background. So she's uh, come from Bilawila and she's doing full-time singer-songwriting and trying to balance full-time teaching at the same time. And she's dealt with some pretty personal blows throughout the years prior to when I met her that I didn't know about until I got to know her well. And one of the funniest sort of key incidences is that she took on a six-month or three-month Japanese teaching contract. <laughs> and she's not, you know, no, not inclined to teach Japanese. She's never done it. And she goes, I'll be fine. I'll work it out. And she literally went home that holidays and taught herself the entire curriculum to teach the kids and then on top of that she's also doing a singer songwriting and then she also has a lot of personal things that she's dealing with on the side of that so she recently has gone through um, getting cancer again and which she had previously before I knew her she's had three major surgeries she got told she may never be able to sing again she what else happened? Yeah, and she she came back from those only recently and she is just still doing her thing. She's still singing songwriting. She taught herself how to sing again. She's written new songs. She's working part-time as a HP teacher and her just strength and resilience is incredible and so she'll always be someone that puts me into a bit of perspective every time I get to talk to her or see her or just remember what she's doing because she's gone back over to Billawilla now. And another person is my Uncle John. So my Uncle John, he is Māori and he has always been involved with the juvenile detention and he created a Māori program for people in juvie and started to create those really positive cultural connections and I don't get to see my uncle often but his energy and his care for other people he has that servant's heart Mm. he he will do anything for anyone around him and he cares pretty much nothing for himself just doesn't care but he will go out of his way for everyone around him and there are two people in my life who really I aspire to have their values. They are really incredible people. Yeah. <laughs> what is one quality that you love about yourself? Oh. I have always been very determined. And that is a quality I really enjoy. 
And the reason why I say that is I've never been very talented and that's not a bad thing. I've always been pretty okay at everything. I can always play sports. I could always be pretty okay with music. Academically, academically I was okay. Everything was just pretty solid, pretty average. But one thing I noticed that I had over other people was my willingness to work harder than them and dealing with the setbacks and failures and like keep just pushing through. I've just got this aggression behind wanting to be better than others. And I think that's because I wasn't talented. So it's actually sort of done a bit of a switch for me. It's actually been a positive that I didn't come out with incredible athletic ability or incredible academic ability nothing came easy to me but I love that I'll always be better in the long run what is one habit you would like to break I'm extremely forgetful (laughs) and it's bad like I think I may have Alzheimer's sooner rather than later and I've actually researched (laughs) like brain camp Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, to try and – like I need to figure out how to fix that because I could leave – I could leave my phone, wallet, keys, jacket, everything that I need to function probably three times a week in a space and then have to go and backtrack and find it and have no recollection of where I've placed it. That's why I have Digi, my roommate. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite way to feel calm? Favourite way to feel calm? Listening to music. What's your your go-to? If you need to relax. It would be 660. Right. Yeah. What's your favourite family activity? I know you're very family oriented, so I thought that was a good question. My favourite family activity would have to be around, well, food. (laughs) (laughs) But we have really great barbecues. And it's probably my most enjoyable time with my family. Really hilarious times. You know when your dad's doing the classic, like, I'll cook the steak. And then he talks you through how well he's going to cook it. And the dog's sitting next to him. And then, you know, mum's pottering in the kitchen. My sisters are all, we're all paying each other out. There's just good banter. And dad puts on Van Morrison. No one really wants to listen to him. Stop it. We love Van Morrison. (laughs) But it's like two o'clock in the afternoon, beautiful sun. We want to hear some really cool, funky acoustic music, get out and play cricket. And all of a sudden Van Morrison comes on and dad's just in his element. That's probably the most enjoyable family time. Share a time when you did something that you were afraid to try. Afraid to try. Something that scared you, but you did it anyway. This is probably a real... Um, this wasn't that scary. I'd say snowboarding was pretty scary when I first did it, but it wasn't, like, significantly scary. I'm trying to think of a deeper thing that's really scared me. Having a conversation with my boss around having too much of a workload and struggling... That's probably had, would have had to be one of the most scariest moments. And I was extremely overwhelmed with emotion. And I was, you know, doing that self-talk before I got in there. Like, you've got this. Just be strong. This is all good. And I walked through the door and he's like, hey, how are you going? What's going on? And I just <laughs> start crying. 
that didn't work the way I planned it. <laughs> everyone I asked for advice is like, just make sure you're just super calm, relax, be clear to the point. I'm like, yep, got this straight in there, bawling my eyes out. <laughs> Probably build it up too much almost. Yeah, nearly. This is an interesting one. What's not being taught in schools that should be? Oh, so much. They have no understanding of life skills in my school, in many, actually in most of the schools I've been into. But it's sort of a snowball effect. So well-being and life skills and understanding how to communicate effectively and you know, why does outdoor ed work so well? Well, because they get to take them into different environments and they communicate and they try practical activities. And then why is that the majority of our school schooling done in regimented classrooms sitting down for 70 minutes? They're sitting down for 70 minutes focusing on a TV or a whiteboard or a piece of paper. Like It's pretty much a jail cell. <laughs> For some of these kids. Yeah. But life skills, definitely well-being. And that's something that I'm just, the more and more I teach in these state high schools, the more I see the necessity for it. What's something that you once thought to be true, but you've changed your mind about recently? Oh, that's a good question. I used to be very good at rolling on information that was not correct. How do you mean? So you'd tell me something and I'd just believe it straight away. Then I'd go pass that on and I wouldn't go take my time to actually research it. And then I'd meet someone, say yourself, <laughs> and I'd be like, so did you know this was true? And you'd be like, um, I actually don't think that's correct. And then we'd research and it wasn't correct. But that was like a classic thing I used to do all the time. So if you said to me, you know, the sky is green, I'd run over to some, to my friend at coffee the next day and be like, did you know the sky was green? And then, you know, it takes meeting high performers and being around influential people for you to finally actually take Someone to go, action. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> maybe research and find out if those things are true. What's a new habit that you would like to form? A new habit... I have many. Mine would be following through on the little things. I'm good at following through on the big main tasks that are sort of staring me in the face. But the daily little tasks could be something simple like if I have a few jobs to do write them down and then come back to them when I have time and follow through with them Mm. those that's a habit I definitely need to gain if you're willing to share what is your biggest dream you know my biggest my biggest dream when I was a kid was to be an Australian softball player and now I just have many little dreams but they're they're not dreams. They're like, I'm going to get there. <laughs> like, they're goals. I don't know. I don't have a huge dream. Mm. I just have all these little ones that I'm like, yep, that's going to happen for me because I just know it's going to happen. So this this podcast was something, an ambition, 
an aspiration that I was really wanting and it's starting to come into fruition eventually being bigger than teaching so still being able to get the same message across that our girls need help around resilience confidence dealing with their insecurities just being in that space I don't have a dream job but I do have a dream like a passion Mm. and just being working in that passion for the rest of my life is definitely one of my biggest aspirations. So I've got my own question and it's what's something that others have said or thought about you that has impacted you positively mm-hmm. and then some the opposite to that question is that's impacted you negatively. So something that other people have thought about you or said about you that you've then changed your behaviours as a result and for a positive or a negative I think the positive one is definitely around energy. So for me, I have a tendency and I th- I think this is a lot of my friends when I have conversations, it's a similar thing where if something bad goes happen or something something bad goes wrong or something happens around me that is negative then my feelings and emotions tend to respond and I become negative and I think learning around if you bring the energy and bring the positivity and understand perspective and practice gratitude then things will happen positively to you based on the energy you're bringing and I think that came from here to be totally honest with you and so I think that's a habit that is changing for me where I'm not so negative when I'm going into a when I've just had something bad happen to me, I'm not transitioning that negativity across into the next classroom or mm. I'm becoming better at that. Yeah. I definitely haven't mastered it. I have some bad days. But That's that be responsible for the energy you bring into any situation. Yeah, a phone definitely. call, a social media post, an email, an actual conversation. Definitely. And then a, what was the other one? A negative. Yeah, so what's something that other people have said or thought about you that might have created you to respond in a negative way definitely growing up there were it was I love my family but definitely body image my family growing up my parents were both athletes and so they put a high price on being athletic and as a kid we were and my sisters were always capable but I was sort of like the bulky (laughs) little like chubby nugget when I was growing up Mm. and there was a lot of comments small comments around body image and you know when I was growing up I went you know ran the roads of Wellington for like hours and stuff like that and it wasn't necessarily that they would ever say to me you know you need to get fit or you need to lose weight because you always had baby fat growing up but it definitely put that in my mind of how come I'm not this mm. athlete? How come I'm not this person that can run the roads at 13, 14? And that's, that created quite a negative insecurity around body image growing up. Yeah, interesting. As we finish off the podcast, what's something you'd like to leave people, people with? Be it a favourite quote, a thought, uh, whatever you want to finish off with. I just think that I hope the listeners can see value in what we're trying to do and what I'm trying to do here. I really, really want to create an awesome space where 
you know, a mum and daughter are hopping in their car of the morning. Maybe that daughter's having some serious friendship breakdowns at school and they listen to this for 10 minutes and then they have that little bit of help or those little strategies that they go, you know what, mum, I'm going to be fine. Or that 20-year-old going to work that day who's dealing with some serious shame triggers or insecurities around not feeling good enough in the workplace and just having those strategies to go, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be okay because it's not, not just me, I'm not on my own. I've got people around me. I'm listening to people now who are going through the same thing I'm dealing with and things are going to be okay and sort of have that optimistic approach. That's what I'd like to leave you with. I think that's a great message to finish with. I'm Glenn Azar. This has been your introduction to Morgan Tioka, your host of the Challenge Her podcast. You've been listening to the Challenge Her podcast with Morgan Tioka. Follow, rate and share to help empower and educate young women.